Welcome back, Diet Riders, to the Diet Riot Podcast with Alyssa Miller, Brooke Miller, both dietitians, both moms, both from the Midwest, both live in Denver, both uh, intuitive eating. Oh, Millers. Yeah, that one. All the things. Pretty much everything in common. Um, Anyways, uh, yeah, welcome back to our podcast. We have an awesome, like freaking awesome guest for you today. (laughs) Guys, this is our in real life friend. Yes. Like real we've life few, We've had a few friends. That's true. But we're really excited because this girl freaking up and moved to Vain, Maine. Maine. Vane. It's fine. Maine. We need more alcohol. I mean, coffee. <laughs> um, so this girl up and moved to Maine to do awesome things, but I'm still a little bitter about it. Um, it's our friend Andy, who I actually got hired with at, or I mean, we usually don't say where we work. At our, my old job, <laughs> we got hired together. So that's where I met her. And she's freaking awesome. We've worked with her for a long time and we're so happy you're on the podcast. So everybody welcome Andy. Andy, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? What you're doing in Maine? Yeah, for sure. So uh, my name's Andy. I'm a registered dietitian. I was raised in Massachusetts, did my undergrad over at UMass Amherst, and then went on out to Colorado Springs for my dietetic internship. Um, From there, I ended up getting a gig up in Denver, which is where I met these two awesome ladies. Um, Yeah, we started on the same day, Alyssa. Crazy. Isn't that so crazy? (laughs) Yeah. So um, I I still have that job. So I still work full time for that company doing, you know, home um, enteral nutrition or or tube feeding. Um, But about two years into it, we were, you know, granted the opportunity to work remote. Um, So I decided to come on back to New England. And I'm currently living in Maine. Um, So in addition to that full-time job, I've now started sort of a hobby farm, homesteading venture and blog, um, Crooked Chimney Farm. And then I'm also um, making my own goat milk soap. So things have kind of taken a little bit of a turn there. But That's amazing. um, And the name Crooked Chimney Farm is the most adorable (laughs) name. I love the logo too. Also, guys, the soap is so soft. Like my skin is softer. So... We literally Everybody buy it. Bought it smells up for good. Christmas. Have to hear it. Works wonders. Yeah, it is pretty amazing. <laughs> I think my favorite scent that I've smelled so far is the white magnolia. Oh, apple I'm gonna, sage. I'm apple gonna sage. do that. I'm gonna buy the apple sage next, but I got to use so up good. the soap I have yes. first. Apple sage. I had a hard time giving away the lavender chamomile. That's a good. I one. have that one. That's They're the one I used good. yesterday, and it was very nice. <laughs> okay, how'd you come up with the name Crooked Chimney Farm? Can I ask you? Um, yeah. So So when we were first looking for houses out in Maine, um, we were still in Colorado. So my dad was actually looking at houses in person for me and kind of FaceTiming me and the house we ended up getting, um, the wood stove, the chimney that came out of it was crooked. And for some reason I was just really fixated on this. And it was like the first thing I wanted to change when we moved in. Um, and then kind of after time, I realized like it's not even a thing. I don't even notice it anymore. So my dad would always give me a hard time about it and say, oh, how are things going over at the Crooked Chimney House? Oh, so, I love that. So your dad really came adorable. up with it. Yeah. He needs like some some of the profits. <laughs> he, he owns Maybe. like we'll 2%. See. I'm going to go with a hard pass on that. You keep all that for yeah. yourself. Right. That's how I am. Capitalist. Over you got to feed the goat somehow. Got to feed the goat. Exactly. <laughs> That's amazing. That's so cute. Oh, 
gosh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so we are maybe not going to talk about goats the whole time, even though I really, really want to. <laughs> but um, we want to talk a little bit about maybe your intuitive eating journey and kind of where you're at now with that. Yeah. So, um, most people that know me know that I am uh, a version of a vegetarian. Mm -hmm. There's Um, a lot of versions of those. Yes, there are quite a few. Um, my kind of food journey started freshman year of college, which I feel like is when most people's food journeys start. When your mom stops Um, cooking for you or at least (laughs) (laughs) or when you gain the freshman 15. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, freshman. Exactly. You start to, you know, make connections about what you're actually eating and, and its effects on you. Um, but you know, I read this book, um, I don't even remember the name of it, but it really sort of opened my eyes to what was going on in the meat and dairy industry in this country. Um, and it focused on these CAFOs, which are concentrated animal feeding operations. Um, so basically these really large factory farms. And it just went into vivid detail just about the abysmal conditions that these animals were living in, the abuse, the inhumane slaughtering methods. I basically just like snapped my heart in two and I decided to just go completely vegan that day. You went vegan? I didn't know that. I went vegan. Oh, (laughs) snap. So, yeah. And and if your uh, listeners don't know, vegan is basically like the most restrictive form of vegetarian you can be. So it's no um, animals or animal byproducts. So in addition to cutting out um, meat, poultry, fish, seafood, dairy, eggs, you also, you know, don't eat honey. Um, there's a lot of other foods that you might not necessarily think there are animal-based additives in, which there are. Right. Um, so it, it was tricky for sure. And I ate that way for about two years. Is this wow. while you were in school to become a dietitian? Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And so wow. over those two years, I just started to feel worse and worse. So I had no I energy. I feel worse and worse for you. <laughs> oh, I couldn't do that. It's yeah, so hard. I, we I, like, could. But I wouldn't want to. (laughs) I couldn't keep like weight on. My skin looked like crap. I'm sure my hormones were a mess. Um, And, you know, that's not to say there aren't people out there that can't absolutely thrive on a vegan diet. Um, For sure they can. People, you know, look and feel their absolute best eating this way. I just came to the realization that, you know what, this isn't for me. Mm -hmm. Sure. But, you know, at the same time, I had the animals to consider and, you know, it's a hard place to be. So I kind of, you know, looked into it a little bit further to see if maybe there could be, you know, some sort of compromise there. Um, And what I found is there's just such a big gap between the worst of the worst and the best of the best in the meat and dairy industry. Uh, And so for me, I just found that maybe the answer isn't no animal products, but maybe it's better animal Mm -hmm. products. Um, so for me personally, that meant just, you know, local free range pasture raised eggs, um, local grass fed organic dairy and, you know, living on the coast, I'm lucky enough to get sustainable wild caught seafood. Yum. Seafood's um, the best. So yeah, eventually over time, I just added those things back into my diet, the dairy, eggs and fish, um, which technically now makes me a lacto ovo pescatarian. <laughs> which is kind of on the opposite end of that vegetarian spectrum towards the more kind of flexible liberal side of things. Sure. Um, But I I never did add, you know, meat and poultry back into my diet. 
Um, and that's just because it just, it doesn't sit well with me. Mm-hmm. You know, even if I knew that this animal was raised in the best conditions, living its best life with, you know, the ideal diet and slaughtered humanely, I just, I still couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, over this amount of time, it's been like 12 years, I've just gotten really in tune with my body and just, you know, the thought of consuming meat is just super upsetting physically, mentally, emotionally. I just know it's not for me. Right. And I think that because that's where I'm coming from, I don't feel deprived like I used to. I don't feel like I'm missing out on something in the very least. And I think that that's, you know, super important. Um, and, you know, I fully recognize that someday in some future season of my life, um, my feelings might completely change on this. And, you know, I'm okay with that too. Yeah. But that's you know, where I am now. Did you face a lot of backlash when you became a vegan or even on your current like diet that you're on now? And I don't want to call it a diet. It's a, like a lifestyle. Sure. Um, a lifestyle. Yeah. And then <laughs> how do you deal with people? Because I for two years, I did what you did. I only had eggs, dairy, and fish. And I felt pretty good. But like, if I, if I went a day without eggs or fish, I, I suffered. Like for me, I, I needed eggs or fish in my diet every day, one or the other or both, um, to thrive. But I got a lot of backlash because I was, I also have celiac. And so when I would go places, people would have to find a vegetarian and gluten-free dish for me. And it was really hard. Like family and friends would really have high anxiety and stress about it. So I would honestly have to bring my own food, which stressed me out. Um, but how did you, how do you deal with backlash and thoughts about that? So, you know, it can be like a super isolating experience if you are the only person in your family that feels that Mm -hmm. way. Um, I, you know, come from this meat and potatoes kind of family and I'm sure (laughs) Yeah, they were a little confused as to why I'm doing this and, you know, maybe thought it was just a phase. Um, And so, you know, you have a lot of people kind of challenging um, your beliefs and and telling you certain things and um, maybe kind of even shaming you. So it's a hard place to be. Um, and it can sort of, you know, develop maybe negative feelings around mealtimes as well. Um, So I think what I've you know, done is just kind of explain to them where I'm coming from and why I feel this way. Um, And you know what, they're not going to agree with me all of the time. Most people that love you and, you know, are are your true friends and family, um, they'll kind of understand. um, But, you know, don't take it personally. If you do get super opinionated feedback, um, you know, maybe just change the topic, um, you know, don't get overly defensive about it. Don't try to change other people's eating habits to match your own. Um, you yes, know, in some cases times, it yes. is. Yeah, in, in some cases it is just going to be. Uh, let's agree to disagree on this topic. Let's not talk about food together, um, and let's you know change it to to something non food related. And in your household, does Keenan eat this way too? Because I think it's easier if you guys are on the same page and eating the same thing versus if he was eating all meat. Would that be harder? Like, what's that look like in also your house? tell our listeners sure. who Keenan is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So Keenan is, is my boyfriend. Live um, we, boyfriend. We live together. <laughs> um, and and so I'm I'm really lucky in that he's super flexible and he will he's okay with whatever I decide to make. Okay. Um, he is though an omnivore. He will eat meat. He has no qualms about it. So you know, oftentimes when we go out to eat, oh, okay. he'll order a meat based dish. 
Um, but if you, you know, do live with someone um, that doesn't, you know, share your style of eating, uh, I would say just try to include them when you do sit down to maybe do your meal planning for the week. Um, come to some sort of compromise, involve them in the discussion at least. Maybe, you know, figure out things that they really like and try to incorporate that into a meatless dish um, and really kind of give them the opportunity to try, you know, different things. Yeah, that's awesome. Gosh, I freaking miss you. I know. <laughs> well, I get to I am her every day know, at work because so she's jelly. my partner. Uh, yeah. You guys, Andy's like one of the most respectful humans out there. I just love oh. like your take on it. Like this is how I feel and you're not pushing it on other people. And you got, sure. that is totally what jo- what josh nope brooke <laughs> my <laughs> other partner um brooke and i support is like you do you you listen to what your body feels good eating and um supporting and for you it sounds like it's more of like an ethical decision than even necessarily how your body feels when you eat those foods but like t- staying in tune with all aspects of your body like you said the mental health part of it like how you feel ethically about it and then also how your body responds physically to those foods. And once you started introducing them back in, and I just so, so love and respect where you come from on this decision. Cause I find so many people choosing veganism or vegetarianism or any of the 15 different types of vegetarianism, um, <laughs> just saying, Oh, it's for health or like, or weight I'm, loss, weight loss or health or loss, yeah. And yeah. it's like, yeah, you can be a vegetarian and eat mac and cheese every single day of your life for the rest of your life. You know I mean? There's, it's, there's no shortage <laughs> exactly. of foods that you can just fill in the blank for that aren't actually nourishing and taking care of your body. So like, and I liked the way that you said it, where it wasn't for you. Veganism wasn't for you. That's not to say it's not doable. And there are people that do it well and feel really good on the vegan diet. However, <laughs> I have a hard time with it because I do think, I think it takes quite a bit of education, whereas typically and prepping and, and planning prepping. And supplements, you know, there are certain things you need from certain foods that you're not getting as a vegan. And being a dietitian or even in school to become a dietitian, we have the privilege of knowing where to access that information. But so many people are influenced by someone on Instagram and they're like, oh, they're a vegan. I'm going to be a vegan. But to you, a vegan means eating French fries for the rest of your life, you know? That's so true. And there are so many, you know, one size fits all vegetarian meal plans available, you know, a dime a dozen on the internet. Mm -hmm. Um, And really it can be dangerous for sure. If you're following someone else's advice that isn't, you know, equipped to give you that information. Yeah. I had to block a guy. Um, I went to high school with him and like he was friends with us, but I had to block him and like remove him from all social media because he's a vegan and he firmly believes that veganism is the only way to live. And he Mm -hmm. was very upset that like as a dietitian, I wasn't promoting veganism for everyone. And he was very upset. He thought my credentials were stupid. He thought my degree was completely useless um, and that he knew everything. And I was like, listen, if veganism works for you, great. Like that's good. Great. If you feel good, if you're able to like maintain, you know, your weight and you're not like shriveling down to nothing and, and your labs look good and like, great, keep doing it. But like, for you to tell me that my degree is a waste and that a hundred percent of people only thrive on a vegan diet. Like that's not true because no diet, 100% of people are going to thrive on. Right. So that's the issue is like some, somebody could thrive on a great. Well, and what I found not to generalize or be, you know, 
rude or anything, but a lot of times vegans are so loud at being vegans and want to tell everyone else to be vegans. And then they're just sharing the same nutritional information over and over again. It's an echo chamber. It's like, you're already talking to people who happen to want to be vegans. And then you're sharing only the research that comes out in your favor versus looking at all the research as a whole and making those decisions based on the research first, but then also your body, like how your body is actually responding. Like I so love the journey you went through, which I didn't even know that happened to you, you know, that you went through that, but like to actually listen to your body and be like, Hey, this isn't feeling good. (laughs) Like maybe I need to adjust Mm -hmm. things and then start to add things back in until you feel good and you thrive in, in your body and, and only, you know, how your body is going to respond to food. So that's super important. Yeah. I, I think for me, that's been, you know, the hardest part about being a vegetarian. It's not even about the food. It's just that it's such a polarizing topic and there are just such strong feelings attached to it. Mm. Um, and you know, I think no matter which side of this you're on, you will find the research to support your opinion. Um, I think we all just need to realize that, you know, you're probably not going to change anybody else's mind if they're already set in, you know, a certain mindset. So it's kind of like, you know, live and let live. I feel like it's become as crazy of a topic as religion and politics. Like no joke. When I was, I remember he was so mean, you guys, he got on my personal Facebook and attacked me and was just telling me how worthless I was as a dietitian and everything. And I was like, you are acting like I'm like, we're fighting over politics or religion right now. Like you are literally like dragging down my character and you don't know, you know, it's just, it's, it's yeah. insane that people like I'm so take happy you blocked food. him. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'm deleting you never talking to you again. But like, um, it's crazy that people get so intense about, about it oh, because yeah. I do feel like out of everything with nutrition, like, you know, there's people who like really believe in keto, but I feel like they can be loud, but they're not, mean about Mm -hmm. like I feel like my interactions have been but then I know people who are vegans and are very friendly and they're like this is the way I want to live it works for me but I understand that doesn't work for you and I'm like yeah amen like well and just like just in general and especially culturally food can be so um so charging because it's part of our identity, right? I mean, we see a Mm -hmm. lot of cultures, including our own, you know, Americans is centered around food. So a lot of people identify as I am a vegan, you know, we say it in that way, not like I Mm -hmm. practice veganism, which I've noticed some people start to say, but a lot of people say I am a vegan. It's who I am. It's part of my identity or whatever, you know, insert this here, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I'm on keto or whatever it is. We, identify it as part of who we are. So then of course we're going to get emotionally challenged over it, but then also the side of diet culture that sells to you this idea of you're not healthy if you're doing X, Y, and Z. And if you're listening to that part of diet culture that says your health is hundred percent tied to what you put in your mouth and every bite matters and every bite is either giving you cancer or giving you life, like then of mm-hmm. course you're going to get passionate about it because you care about people and you want them to be healthy. And that's sometimes coming from a really good place of, I want you to not get cancer. I want you to not die young. I want you to be healthy and thrive and live in a body that I think is healthy for you. But oftentimes that research has come from or funded by companies that are trying to sell you a product or a diet or a lifestyle or whatever they want to call it. And I think that's always a good way to identify is like who funded this research or where is this coming from? Or is the person who's contacting you on Facebook, are they also selling you Shakeology or whatever, you know? And it's like, they're attacking you because 
they want you to be healthy, but also because they want to make money off of you. So exactly. be cautious and look for yes. people like Andy in your life, you guys. She's so, like, <laughs> you're just so down to earth. And like you said, like live sure. and let live. And I just, I love, yeah. love, love that. And it, it puts the focus on you. Like you do what's best for you. And it's so cool. Exactly. You can coexist and date a guy who you guys have different views on that. And that's okay. <laughs> you know, you don't expect that of other people. And if you had kids, I'm sure like you guys would probably just let your child like explore both options and see what works for them. And like parents could have a child that is a vegetarian and a child that is an omnivore and like whatever works for your family too, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, just let your kids try everything and see what works for them. Um, can you talk about some misconceptions about plant-based diets and also protein? Cause I feel like that's the biggest issue is like, everybody's like, you cannot hundred percent meet your protein needs. And can you talk about that as a dietitian? For sure. So yeah, some the biggest misconception I probably get, and these are complete opposites. So the first is that, oh, you're a vegetarian, you must be healthy. And I, I feel like <laughs> we did touch on this one a little bit already. It's just because someone is a vegetarian, it doesn't necessarily make them, quote unquote, healthier than someone who isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. So I think by now we've all heard the research that, you know, vegetarian diets um, tend to... Um, you know, be connected with lower risks of certain cancers and chronic diseases. Um, But I think, you know, like you were saying, Alyssa, really, we need to look at that research a little more objectively. You know, there really still isn't enough data to say exactly how a vegetarian diet influences long term health. Mm -hmm. And it's difficult to really tease out those other the influence of other practices that vegetarians are, you know, commonly associated with. So, you know, not smoking regular physical exercise, you know, stuff like that also has such a big influence on that. Um, and maybe, you know, it's not so much the cutting out of meat. Maybe it's just that it's the incre- increase in intake of, you know, fruits and vegetables. Totally. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's, it's hard to make that blanket statement for sure. And then, you know, like you were saying, um, a vegetarian's diet could just consist of nothing but really highly processed foods. Right. Um, someone eating, you know, nothing but soda, candy and pizza every single day is still considered a vegetarian. Exactly. So it, it really kind of irks me when I hear that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then, it's so important yeah, to focus yeah. on what you're actually adding in, right. not necessarily taking out, you know? Exactly. Right. And exactly. I think that's, yeah, that's why the assumption is there that, oh, you're a vegetarian, you must be healthy. If you're doing mm-hmm. it right, quote unquote, like if you are eating a lot of fruits and vegetables, yeah, you're, you're getting those micronutrients that are so vital, but yeah, you could be doing it where you're literally not eating a fruit or vegetable all day and be a vegetarian. And like, that's where, you know, you're probably not eating your needs. That word healthy is so subjective, right? I mean, everyone has a different idea of what's healthy or what's not, you know, this dietitian posted this photo of like a pizza, a slice of pizza. And she was like, I consider this to be a healthy food because so many people have this like stereotype of pizza is so unhealthy. I should never eat it. Oh, I'm, you know, whatever. And it's like, no, actually pizza is a pretty uh, diverse food that gives you the protein, carbohydrates, (laughs) fat, like it gives you all the things you can put need. lots of veggies on it totally yeah yeah exactly so it's, <laughs> that's one of our staples honestly <laughs> oh, oh my totally. gosh we eat pizza all the time italy <laughs> oh yeah yes i, I eat pizza every day 
every meal I started meal making pizza from scratch, you guys. Oh, it's, it's so good. So good. Hey. It's so good. Nice. I'll share the share. recipe. <laughs> yeah, I should. Um, cool. But yeah, so I was just saying like the the definition of healthy, <laughs> first of all, mm-hmm. the goalposts are always moving, right? Like even if yeah. you were to do everything you think the research says, as soon as you get there, you turn around and your, your vegan lifestyle is now, hey, have you guys heard about the paleolithic diet? That's the new healthiest thing that yeah. you could possibly... And it's like, wait a second, I just gave up all my meat. Like it's just really... It's really interesting and that's why this world of nutrition is so confusing for people is because the Mm -hmm. research is contradictory. People are contradictory and then we have people who aren't um, well-versed or don't even know how to read research telling us what we should and shouldn't be doing, you know, and that's that's really difficult and sad and sad to watch people fall for things that um, are just out there to make you make money. (laughs) For sure. And I think people kind of hold on to the thought that there is this undiscovered diet or, you know, yet to be found way of eating that's just going to be perfect and solve all the problems when, you know, really it's much simpler than that, you know, just, uh, you know, it's already there. We just have to listen to ourselves and our bodies and, you know, make that connection. So yeah, I love that earlier you were saying like, and in a few years, I may feel completely different and giving yourself that space and that, you know, grace and time to say, it's okay to change. It's okay for my diet to be ever evolving literally daily, you know, to be changing towards something completely new and different in 10 years or however many years it might take you. And to give yourself that kind of space to, it's okay to change your mind. And I think that's like a lot of diet culture sells, like this is the best, this is the only way you should live. And then you get tied into it. Well, and then in five years when you're no longer a vegan and now you're, you know, the, I don't know, like the paleolithic diet or whatever, the two extremes, well, what are your friends and family going to think of you if you've all of a sudden shifted, you know? So you get a little scared or guilty trying to change your mentality when really we're all human. We're all learning. Like Brooke and I talk about all the time when we started this podcast, we thought we were like intuitive eating pros. And we were like, oh yeah, we totally, yeah, we've been doing this for a few years. It's great. But now we look back at our first episodes and we're like, oh man, we've come a long way. Like just even the way we're talking about food. It's important sure. to always be changing and growing towards something better. So yeah. sorry, we kind of cut you off with a protein question. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, protein. yeah, yeah. So on the other hand, the other misconception that you hear all the time is the exact opposite. So if you're a vegetarian, you must be lacking in something. There's no way you can get everything you need from a vegetarian diet. Right. Um, and, and the big one is protein. So everyone asks, where do you get your protein? And protein is the one thing I think that now we all recognize you do not need to eat meat in order to get an adequate amount of Um, It's actually really easy to do on a plant-based lifestyle. Right. Um, So just, you know, some examples, if you're curious, um, soy products, tofu, tempeh, edamame, um, they're all packed with protein, beans, legumes, lentils, um, some nuts and seeds like peanuts, almonds, chia seeds, hemp seeds, uh, grains as well, like wild rice, sprouted grain products, quinoa. Man, she could just um, keep going. Yeah, goat's yeah, milk. I mean, <laughs> those are all, I, I'm pretty sure all of those I mentioned were vegan. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, if you do, you know, do the eggs and, and the dairy. Um, and fish. You know, those are all in fish and seafood. Those are all packed with protein as well. Um, so I, I'm not sure if there's just like, you know, that image everyone has of the big, strong guy with the muscles eating all the meat. <laughs> totally. But, <laughs> You know, it's really an easy thing to do um, without meat in your diet. So don't be concerned about, you know, someone not getting enough protein just because they're plant-based. Yeah, 
Well, I think people overestimate to how much protein they need. Yes. Like Mm -hmm. they're, they like make up this absurd amount of grams a day that they need. And then they panic when they're not getting it. And it's, you're fine. Right. And that's the thing is like, you don't, you don't promote. <laughs> if you have a pressure ulcer, it's a different story. Yeah. Talk to one of us directly. Um, but yeah, that, that is interesting. Cause we don't promote, you know, counting macros or counting calories or anything or focusing on your protein, but that, you know, you'll feel the difference if you're not eating enough protein versus eating enough protein. And I, sure. I don't know if I would say you'd really feel it if you're overeating protein. I don't know. I haven't really been in that probably stage. I have but symptoms of that. You're no. probably, yeah. But, um, knowing that you don't need probably as much much as you think you do, but as long as, and maybe you feel differently, but as long as every, I would recommend every meal or snack has a protein source, like something that has protein in it. It doesn't have to be strictly protein. You know, a lot of times like nut butters and stuff are protein and your fat. So, you know, focusing, just making sure when you are snacking or having meals that there's something that has protein on there, I think you're going to do just fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I totally agree. And, you know, after a while of eating this way, you kind of naturally do that without even really having to think about it. Um, sure. So, you know, it might be a little bit of a learning curve if, you know, you're transitioning over to a plant-based diet. Um, you know, there are a lot of really good resources as far as figuring out um, plant sources of protein. Um, so definitely, you know, utilize them and figure out um, what you like, what you don't like, and try just try as much as you can. Yeah. What would you recommend if someone was listening to this podcast and considering like, yeah, I've started to notice that when I eat, you know, large amounts of meat and like straight up chicken or beef or burgers or whatever you want to, whatever you're eating, maybe you don't feel your best and you want to, we always talk about this, get curious. You know, I want to, what happens if I do try eating a plant-based diet or, you know, start substituting out my burgers for like tilapia or something like that? What, what do you recommend first steps would be to take on that endeavor? Yeah, well, I would say, you know, it, it kind of depends where you're starting off at. If you're someone that does eat meat every single day of the week, uh, maybe just trying one day a week, two days a week, um, trying for, you know, a meatless meal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, there's just, you know, tons of recipes out there online that you can find. Um, usually it's a good idea, I think, to start out with, you know, a dish you already know you like and then trying for the meatless alternative of that. Um, before, you know, getting too crazy with these super weird ingredients you've never heard of, you can only get from certain health food stores or something like that. It really doesn't have to be, uh, you know, that confusing. Um, I would say, you know, just go basic and maybe just sub, you know, a couple days a week, um, try a meatless version of a meal you already like. Yeah. I love your, I love that suggestion of just gradually, like just gradually starting to transition things over. And that way too, if you get to the point where you're completely meatless or you, you know, maybe you're only having eggs or whatever, you can maybe start introducing things back in and seeing if like, oh, it was actually the beef that was making me feel kind of groggy or Mm. sick or phlegmy or something. Um, whatever that might be for you and then seeing how it actually affects your body. So I love that idea. And I think too, people are so, um, quick to assign a label to themselves of how they eat. Mm-hmm. Like, and ever, I feel like everyone I talk to is always like, Oh, I eat this way, right? That way. Or I don't eat this or I don't eat that. And it's like, instead of talking about what we do eat and giving ourselves space to like, like, Oh, I, if I'm this specific type of vegetarian, but that looks really good sometimes we'll say, no, I don't eat that because I'm this kind of vegetarian. Okay. Are you eating that? Cause you just want to stick within that label or are you not eating that because it, it's actually not something, you know, you're not going to feel good eating or you're or not you interested just don't like in, the taste of it. or yeah. you don't like the taste, but is, 
if there's something super appetizing, but you're technically a vegetarian, it's okay mm-hmm. to try it. You guys, you don't have to, yeah. be it's not strict. all or nothing. Totally. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think now, you know, in the age of social media, you're just constantly seeing this different subculture groups pop up mm-hmm. and, you know, you want to feel like you belong to them. You want to find your tribe and your squad and your people or, or whatever. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you might not agree with 100% of that ideal or, or fit that description. So I think it's important to know that you can pick and choose what you like from, you know, different subcultures, different groups, and sort of make your own combination of these, um, you know, really kind of accept yourself, you're unique, you're not going to fit into these boxes. So don't, you know, fear what people are going to perceive of you when you do step outside of these boxes, right? Um, you know, a lot of people think being vegan or vegetarian, you're making some big, huge statement. And so you're afraid to, you know, contradict that. But, you know, we're complex and we're not always going to agree with every single ideal of a certain group. So, um, you know, don't be afraid. Give yourself permission to, you know, make the space for yourself to find your own version of what works for you. Mm-hmm. That was so yeah, beautifully perfect. said. I usually say something around the lines of take what suits you and then leave the rest. Yeah. (laughs) Like whatever's serving you. Great. And everything else you can just leave it Mm because otherwise you do get backed into a corner. You feel like you have to defend it or, you know, and it's like, Mm -hmm. you don't have to defend anything. You don't have to change anyone else's mind. Like you're not living in their body. So why telling them what you think will work for them? Maybe make like gentle suggestions or have conversations around it. Like, especially I think you like your version of like the ethical side of things. That's really important to Mm -hmm open people's eyes to it. I myself, you know, I choose very sustainable places to buy that I am a big meat eater. Um, my husband even more so. So, but I, I choose where I buy that meat and how I spend my money and how I vote towards those types of foods and a big proponent of knowing your farmer and going to farmer's markets and understanding. Cause sometimes there's, there's the bare minimum that, um, farmers have to do. But then a lot of times when you meet your farmer, you find out they do all these extra things that you didn't even know that could be out there. So anyways, to back up, but it's just basically saying having those gentle conversations of giving people knowledge or resources to research further for themselves, if that's what they're interested in, but don't shove it down someone's throat or act like your body and their body need to be eating the same things. Cause that's absurd. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Perfect. Well, do you have any last thoughts that you wanted to talk about? Um, gosh, I would say, you know, if you are considering going this route, just kind of like we said, be careful about developing that all or nothing mindset. Um, And I think that goes for whether or not you're a vegetarian, just having inflexible beliefs about nutrition can be really dangerous. Mm -hmm. Um, And I do find that vegetarians are often, you know, really focused on humane relationships with animals. They forget to have a really humane relationship with themselves. Um, Wow. So really kind of, you know, take away those self-imposed rules around eating animals and animal products. Um, You know, kind of imagine yourself in a situation where those rules don't exist think about what you would eat, what you would avoid, and why that is. And that'll kind of give you your answer as to whether or not this is the right path for you. Okay, so you've convinced me that you either need to start your own podcast about this because you're so freaking eloquent with the way you talk or write a book. (laughs) Read her blog, everyone. Gosh. uh, So we'll link up to your Instagrams. Because you have Instagrams 
Oh my gosh, you guys, she's such a good photographer. I think she, her and her little man, they should uh, be models because they're so good at photography together oh, and their travel. <laughs> their travel photos are freaking yes. incredible. So oh. you need to follow her. And oh, they also have an Instagram for the dogs, which is hilarious. <laughs> yeah. When did the goats get one? Yeah. The goats need an Instagram. <laughs> Too many accounts. Too many. Yeah. <laughs> and then Crooked Chimney, that page is amazing too. So we'll put a link to all of that stuff. And then also maybe if you have a few favorite recipes, maybe you can send them to us and then we'll um, put it on our podcast. Absolutely. So just a few of your favorite recipes you can send. So real quick, and I know we've already moved past this part of the podcast, but I'm going to bring it up anyways. (laughs) Um, It's, you know, I think what you said there at the end of like not sitting to like specific rules, because I am a meat eater and my husband is as well, we typically have meat, I would say like two to three meals, um, every week are meat free just because I ran out of groceries or whatever. But I saw this recipe and I want to share it with you guys. It was a bolognese, but it was made with walnuts and mushrooms ground up and it looked like ground beef. I am not a fan and I don't know if you are, but I'm not a fan of like meat substitutes, like Mm. filled with you know, who knows how many ingredients, but I thought that looked really cool because it was like meat free, but it looked like meat, but it wasn't like a fake meat substitute that was like, you know, made however or whatever. So I want to share that recipe with you guys because it looks really good. Also, have you tried the impossible burger? And if you have, does it taste good or not? I, is that the same thing as the beyond burger? Oh, no, I think they're different. No, I think they're different brands. Okay. What one have you tried? Um, And what do you, what are your, I've tried the beyond burger. Does it taste good? It's not bad. So I'll I'll say I'm with the same camp as Alyssa, where I don't like to do too many meat substitutes just because, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on in there. But every once in a while, for sure, I'll I'll have one. So I was curious about it. Um, I liked it. I enjoyed it. I made a cheeseburger. Okay. Oh, cool. I got nothing bad to say. Okay. (laughs) And I've, I've heard that that one is better, I think, than the Impossible Burger. Oh, like so, taste wise? Yeah, ingre- taste, okay. Uh, okay. Like texture, I think. Oh, okay. But it's also hard too, because when was the last time you had a cheeseburger? You know, it's like to compare right, yeah. it to, it's like, well, this is great, but I, you know, to bite next to, like right next to it. Like I remember one time Brooke told me that the wall, <laughs> not even going to look at you when I talk about this. Um, the Walmart Oreos are so good for gluten free. They're not good, you guys. Yeah, They're but I haven't good. had an Oreo ah. in like 15 years. Exactly. So. But when you haven't gotten an actual real Oreo in a while, they are pretty good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's sure. delicious. But next to it's a real Oreo, relative. it's like, mm, yeah, it is all relative. So anyways, okay. We'll link to all that below. Um, again, Andy, thank you so much for being on our podcast. Oh, freaking love it. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Thank um, you. This was fun. Yeah. We'll link to your blog below and your other all Instagram your stuff. Yeah, so many. You're so talented. So yeah. thanks for sharing your knowledge with us. We really appreciate it. And uh, make Aww. sure to subscribe, rate, review. Thanks for being here, guys. Yeah. Don't forget to enter a giveaway as well. Yes. So once we hit 100 ratings, we're going to pull um, a gift basket we'll do it live and it'll be um a few books health at every size intuitive eating an amazon gift card diet riot swag and merch and fit snack snacks fit snack snacks and you get an extra entry to our giveaway if you share um about our podcast on your social media so the best compliment you can give us is a review and sharing it with your friends thanks guys for being here thank you andy for being here and we'll see you next week with a brand new episode see you tuesday bye bye